With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm your host, Tom Kearns, and welcome to the Anglo-Saxon England podcast, episode 61, Early Sussex. Let us turn south from East Anglia and head back towards the English Channel. Down here, to the southwest of Kent, lies the region of Sussex. Although the historical region was divided into East and West Sussex in 1974, these two counties coincide with the remains of the ancient Anglo-Saxon kingdom which bore their common name. Sussex, a name referring to the South Saxons, the people who occupied the region in the 5th century, was one of the kingdoms which formed what later historians called the Heptarchy, the seven most long-lived kingdoms of Anglo-Saxon England. So far, we've looked at five of this seven, Northumbria, Mercia, Wessex, Kent and East Anglia, meaning that we still have Sussex and Essex to go. The idea of the Heptarchy has long been abandoned by historians as being too neat and certainly reflective of a latent teleological interpretation of early English history. While these seven kingdoms may have been the most long-lived, this doesn't make them any more worthy of discussion than others not included in the seven, such as the Whitcher, Lindsay or Surrey. I've begun with the Heptarchy in this podcast because they are the kingdoms with which people are most likely to be somewhat familiar. This makes them an ideal starting point before diving into the more obscure and inevitably more mysterious polities of early Anglo-Saxon England. And of Anglo-Saxon kingdoms, Sussex is certainly one of the earliest. As long-time listeners will doubtless be familiar by now, these early episodes on a new kingdom tend to focus on the comparison of archaeological remains with what later legends claim about a kingdom's origin. This episode, you'll be happy to know, will not deviate from that format. The Anglo-Saxon Chronicle dates the foundation of Sussex to the arrival of its first king, Alla, at a place called Kimmenshaw, in the year 477. Yes, the legendary founder of Sussex had a name that sounds almost identical to that of Alla, the legendary founder of Northumbria. All the written sources, by which I mean Bede and the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, are explicit that they are two different people. So there is no reason to think that this is anything but a coincidence. Also, we don't know where Kimmenshaw is, and various possible locations have been suggested, with the most popular being that Kimmenshaw was near to Selsey, a spur of land that protrudes into the English Channel, and which is confirmed in later charters to have been home to some places with names somewhat similar to Kimmenshaw, although not identical, and so this remains 
somewhat speculative. Anyway, Allah, who landed at Kimenshaw in 477, brought with him three sons, Kimen, Walenking, and Chizah. These three sons, later writers claimed, would go on to give their names to three important locations in Sussex. Kimen gave his name to Kimenshaw itself, on the basis that he was the first to set foot there. Walanking to Lansing, and Chissa to Chichester. This is the usual kind of topographic mythology common to many of these foundation legends, and it really represents later writers' guesses or speculations of what these names originally meant, rather than any genuine insights into the region's actual history. From describing Allah's landing in 477, the Chronicle proceeds to quickly list off the key moments in his decades-long campaign to drive the Welsh, meaning the Britons, out of Sussex. Immediately after landing, he besieged the British settlement at Kimmonshaw and drove the British into the Weald, an area including parts of Hampshire, Surrey, West Sussex, East Sussex and Kent, which at this time was noted for its thick and expansive woodland. Indeed, its name, Weald, is literally Old English for woodland. Another notable battle, we're told, was fought in 485 at a place called Mercredesburna. The location of this battle is completely lost, and its outcome is also not given in the Chronicle, perhaps indicating a British victory, but if that's the case, it doesn't say so explicitly. Finally, in 491, Allah and Chizza together besieged the British at a place called Andredes Chester, usually identified with the Roman coastal fort of Anderitum. We're told that the South Saxons killed every Briton they found there, leaving the fort entirely desolate. Much later in the Chronicle, and by which I mean in the years 800, we're told that Allah was the first Bretwalder. I've already discussed the problem associated with this much-disputed title, but its application to Allah indicates the prestige with which he was remembered by later writers, probably mostly for his conquest of the Britons. And this really is the sum total of all that we know about Allah. We know of a few battles that he's alleged to have fought in, and we know that he was remembered as Bretwalder. The fate of him and his sons is entirely unknown, and in fact, there are good archaeological reasons for doubting all of the information given about them in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's based on my book of the same title. 
In that book and in this podcast, I go all the way back to 1939 when Lee Harvey Oswald was born into a troubled and dysfunctional family. I'll follow his transient and often violent teenage years and young adulthood, painting a fuller picture of the man who would later become Kennedy's killer. I also take a look at events unfolding in that era like Cuba and Vietnam, and I'll unpack the conspiracy theories too, not one of which has ever been conclusively proven. Subscribe to Countdown to Dallas at evergreenpodcasts.com or your favorite listening app, October 31st. Hello, listeners. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I wanted to let you know that if you enjoy what I'm doing here, then it really helps me when you leave a review or a rating on the podcast provider you're using to listen to this, when you subscribe to the show's YouTube channel, or when you become a supporter over on Patreon, where you can get access to bonus episodes, ad-free episodes, and transcripts by pledging to one of the show's patron tiers. And speaking of patrons, I wanted to give a shout out to Kelly Lintz and Eric Trumbauer, Thank you so much for your support. I hope you're enjoying the extra material you now have access to. Anyway, back to the show. The earliest signs of Saxon settlement in what became Sussex are all found in the east of the kingdom between the rivers Ouse and Cuckmere. A pattern consistent with the early settlement of England's easternmost regions, seen in the cases of Kent, East Anglia and Northumbria. It is suggested that the earliest Saxon settlements in Sussex were Germanic federati, barbarian mercenaries paid by Rome to settle and defend Roman territory so as to bolster a failing Roman military. The earliest Saxon cemeteries in the region may support this. Many of them house graves containing Roman metalwork alongside Saxon artefacts, indicating that the settlers arrived in the earlier 5th century, long before 477. Near to these cemeteries also have been discovered examples of Saxon-style sunken huts, which elsewhere were also a feature of early Saxon occupation, since this style of building was brought to England directly from northern Germany, making them sure evidence for some kind of Germanic influence in the area. There is only a single example of an early Saxon cemetery in western Sussex. The cemetery is at a place called Highdown, and it would seem to date from the later 5th century, given its proximity to the hoard of Roman coins found at nearby Patching. This Patching hoard contains coins minted as late as 470, leading some scholars to suggest that the hoard's burial was in part a response to increased Saxon presence in the area, a presence confirmed by the cemetery at Highdown. That this was a military presence can also be inferred from the Highdown Cemetery, given that it is next to an Iron Age hill fort on Highdown Hill, a fort that excavations suggest was reinforced in the early medieval period. Possibly then, the Saxon presence at Highdown was focused on this fort. Whether it represented a conquering army or a group of federati is unclear. Regardless, it would seem that Saxons were becoming more established in West Sussex, by the 470s. This does not mean that the story of Allah is true, though. Sussex began in the east, closest to the border with Kent, and not in Selsey, which lay firmly in the western part of the kingdom. Similarly, the Roman settlement of Chichester 
had no connection to Allah or Chizza, the abandoned site only being reoccupied in the 9th century. If we think back to the early episodes on Kent, it really shouldn't be surprising that the earliest South Saxons were to be found on the border with Kent. As I mentioned in the very first episode dealing with that southern kingdom, the west of Kent shows clear evidence for Saxon rather than Jutish settlement. These people seem to have had more cultural links to the East Saxons, but the migration of Saxons to that area of the country provides a clear basis for the first South Saxon settlements. Of course, at this early stage, it's probable that terms like East Saxon and South Saxon don't really reflect the self-understanding of these groups. After all, these terms reflect the later locations of these kingdoms in England, not their origins in Saxony. Thus, most likely the Saxons consisted of tribes migrating from northern Germany or mixed group of mercenaries with no single tribal affiliation beyond broadly Saxon cultural forms. These same Saxons also settled to the north in the area that became Surrey. It seems then that this is yet another case of later legend being only tangentially connected to actual history. The story of Alice's conquest is almost certainly fanciful, and the South Saxon identity did not actually emerge until much later, when tribal bands had begun to centralise. The ancestors of the South Saxons were among the earliest Saxon settlers in England, but they seem to have been located entirely in the east of Sussex. From here, they may have gradually migrated west, either by force or by invitation of the Britons, living there until finally they occupied all of Sussex. However, it's not until almost two centuries later that we can definitely say that the Kingdom of Sussex existed as a defined entity. Between 470 and 660, it is very difficult to say that there was any defined group calling themselves South Saxons to the southwest of Kent. But I'll get more into that in the next episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Anglo-Saxon England podcast. Once again, I've been your host, Tom Kearns, and I hope you'll join me again next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.